Um, uh, my name's Dave. I'm part of the uh, leadership team here, and uh, I will be your preacher for today. It's yeah. nice, isn't it? Uh, we're going through. Uh, we've been going through the last couple of months a, a book in the Bible called First Corinthians. It's actually a letter which um, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and. Uh, as we've sort of been discovering this church, they were getting a lot of stuff right, but they're also getting a lot of stuff wrong. And, um, and the topic today of spiritual gifts in chapters 12 and 14 is a topic that they were getting quite wrong. And so Paul is um, bringing a bit of correction and a bit of uh, just real solid teaching to try and help them uh, get it right. And so hopefully by the end of this, we'll be getting it right uh So that's good. Uh, If you would like to uh, turn so to the book of First Corinthians, so it's in the New Testament, which is the the sort of second half, and uh, you've got the Gospels, and then Acts and Romans, and then it's First Corinthians, and it's starting. We're going to read the whole of chapters twelve and fourteen. There's quite a lot of words here. Um, I'm going to try, as I've said before, I've been. My voice has been described as that of a monotone robot. <laughs> However, I've been practicing reading in an animated way, so I'm hopefully going to look up and see people still awake and engaged with this. So, uh, chapter 12, starting at first one. Now. <laughs> Pretty good start, huh? <laughs> now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between tongues, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and as many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body doesn't consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. 
now. You're the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And Paul says, and I will show you a more excellent way. And then there's a big, very famous chapter, chapter 13 on love, which we're not going to look at today. That's going to be tackled separately next week, but it is intrinsic to this passage. But we're going to um, pick it up again at the start of, uh, uh, of chapter 14. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what's played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves. If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you'll be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many languages, many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of a language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise of my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he doesn't know what you're saying? If you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I'd rather speak five words in my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it's written, by people of strange strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he's convicted by all. He's called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any, if any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three and each in turn and let someone interpret But if there's no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion but of peace. 
As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they're not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything else they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it's reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone doesn't recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But all things should be done decently and in order. All right. Everyone get that? You're all clear, yeah? I could just sort of close in prayer now because you're all completely clear on everything in there. Obviously, that is a big old passage. Um, we're not going to hit everything that we've uh, just read, but I, th- I thought it's important to read the whole thing just to kind of help you kind of see where everything sits. So here's my plan for this morning. Here's how we are going to look at it. We're going to spend uh, a bit of time at the start of chapter 12 looking at... Um, how, do the Holy, how, does, how does Holy Spirit-filled ministry work? So what is the fruit of it? How does it work when, when we're doing it in the Holy Spirit, doing it right? Then secondly, we're going to look at the rest of chapter 12 which, and, and just say, you know, ask the question, how do, how do these spiritual gifts work when we're gathered together, when we're in the gather context? How do, how do we actually do them and what are they? And then lastly, we're just going to spend um, a bit of time looking specifically at prophecy. Um, the reason we're going to do that is because chapter 14 uh, is, is all about tongues and prophecy. And um, we've looked at tongues a bit recently, so Steph did a, a talk on it on the 7th of February. So if you're, kind of, if you're curious, please go online and look at that. Um, but I thought, well, let's not spend a lot of time looking at that when there's so much to look at. We've already done it, so we're going to focus on prophecy uh, uh, and just look at that. Because it also is a, is a thing that, that can cause a lot of questions. It can be a bit of a... A hot potato, a tricky one, so it's worth just saying, okay, how do we do that well? Um, I want to start with Jesus. Uh, I thought that would be a good place to start. Uh, as you may have noticed, we've already talked a lot about him. We're, all, we're, we're, we're crazy about him. We love him. We, we make him the centre of everything. We're, and we're crazy about him because of what he's done for us, what he did on the cross. He made a way for us to, 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 to draw near to, to the Father. You know, God is described in Scripture as being like... Um, like an approach, uh, unapproachable heat or, or, or un- unapproachable light. He is completely holy. The Father is completely holy and we, we can't get close to him because of that. And, uh, and, uh, and the reason for that is because of our sin, is because the, the wrong things that we choose to do, they mean that we, we can't be in the, our sinfulness means we can't be in the presence of God. But God in his mercy didn't leave us in that state, but he sent his only son, Jesus, into this mess of humanity. Uh, and Jesus set aside his majesty. He set aside his, some of his God attributes. So he's no longer uh, omnipotent. He's no longer everywhere, but he confined himself to a, to, to a human body. And uh, he's no longer omniscient, no longer knew everything, but confined himself in that sense uh, uh, to being a human on the earth. Jesus grew up, he was uh, at age 30, he was baptised, and when he was baptised by his cousin John, the Holy Spirit came down, and the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove and landed upon him, and from that moment on, uh, Jesus did amazing ministry, he did amazing ministry using the spiritual gifts, he gave amazing teaching, teaching that is still, uh, you know, you still hear everywhere today, even from uh, non-Christians, he did amazing uh, miracles through the power of the Spirit, so he did things like, um, he fed 5,000 people, 
He was, uh, he was an amazing administrator. So when he fed the 5,000, he didn't just multiply uh, these five loaves and two fishes, but he then said, you know, okay, everyone sit down and get yourselves into groups of 50s and 100s, and he, and he administrated all his food. He, so he, did, um, he also did amazing healing. So everyone that came to him that was sick, he healed. And he did all these amazing uh, acts, these amazing um, spiritual works, not in, not in the power of himself being the son of God, but he actually did them all through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's an important uh, distinction to make at the start. So he wasn't using himself being the son of God to do his things, but he completely used the power of the Holy Spirit. He then um, went to the cross. At, at, at the cross, he took our sin upon himself so that we, um, that sin was removed from us, went on to, to Jesus and he, he made a way so that we were then like Jesus. We were pure before God when we receive him. And we can have that direct access to God because of what he did. Jesus then died. Uh, but because that wasn't his sin, death couldn't hold him. He rose again gloriously. And, um, and he then spent about 40 days uh, appearing to his followers. And he said to them, you're going to do these same, these same amazing things I did in the power of spirit. You're going to do them too. So you're going to do things like teaching and healing and amazing administrating and serving and uh, miracles you're going to do those things too but don't start yet wait until the Holy Spirit comes and then uh, some time later disciples were gathered together they were praying and the Holy Spirit came down again this time not in the form of a dove but there was uh, the form of uh, tongues of fire was seen above them they again began speaking in other languages. They started declaring the amazing mysteries of God uh, in languages they didn't even know. Then Peter got up. He preached in the power of the Spirit. This amazing preach. 3,000 people heard this preach and were, and were totally bowled over. Wow, wow Jesus is amazing. Uh, Jesus, is, as the Son of God, was revealed to them. And they uh, accepted Jesus as Lord of their lives. And um, so 3,000 were added to church that day. And then throughout the rest of uh, the New Testament, there's loads and loads of other stories of um, people who are followers of Jesus doing amazing acts through the power of the Spirit. Great. Great. Pause for breath. And so the exciting thing is that um, the Holy Spirit is still working through his followers in the same way. And so the same Holy Spirit that did amazing um, Acts uh, through Jesus and through the people that we read about in the Bible, we have the same Holy Spirit today. So we can do those same uh, amazing things using these amazing gifts that God gives us. Um, it's worth just a little footnote uh, in this is that uh, some Christians don't believe that. So some Christians wouldn't say that actually we can do all the things that are in the Bible. So they would say um, it's called a, a cessationist position. Um, we were talking about it last week, we we're saying it. Actually, no, I won't say that. I was going to get sidetracked. Uh, it's called cessationist. And um, so they would say, yeah, you can still do some stuff like teaching, but some of the kind of more supernatural, you know, crazy stuff like healing or, um, or miracles, uh, prophecy, those things aren't for now. They're, they were just for then. Um, I think the reason people come to that position is because they look around, particularly in the West, and they say, well, we don't see those things much at the moment. And, uh, and so, and, and, they've, and they kind of look, okay, we don't seem to be seeing it now. What in scripture could we use to back that up? And there's a verse in, in chapter 13 of this, but we won't look at it. But it does kind of, it sort of somehow infers it. And, and um, it's a, to be honest, it's a, it's a weak argument. And I think the reason is that rather than looking around and, and drawing our conclusions from what we see and then going to the Bible, I think we need to go into the Bible. So what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible seems to be pretty clear that well, for starters, at no point does it say that these 
gifts are, are going to come to an end. It doesn't say that, and we believe that you know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we get our truth. We get our we, we get our, our truth from looking at Scripture. What does Scripture seems to say? What well, seems to say these gifts are still for us today. So we're going to go for them. We're going to uh, base our, our, our beliefs on what we see in Scripture, not on what we see around us. And praise God, we're beginning to see more and more. We're seeing these things happening, and so we're just trusting God to see it more and more. All right, so that was by way of an introduction, just to say that the same Holy Spirit that was in worked through Jesus, worked through the people in the Bible, he works through us today. Um, so let's get into this passage a bit. Um, so chapter 12, starting at verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. He's saying this because they are uninformed. Other, other translations say ignorant. They were getting it wrong. Uh, they were doing, uh, they would kind of get together and, and they seem to be putting an awful lot of emphasis on the gift of tongues, which I'll explain in a bit more detail in a minute. But basically, they're, they're all getting together. Their meetings were really disorderly and they're all uh, kind of speaking tongues over the top of each other. No one knew what was going on. If, if unbelievers came in, they, they would think, oh, these guys are crazy. As Jesus said, if people come in, they think you're out of your minds. And um, so their meetings weren't going very well. And so Paul is speaking to this and saying, look, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed. Here's how you should do it. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. When we have the Holy Spirit, we just naturally say, Jesus is Lord. And what that means is uh, we believe that he is centre, he is, he is number one, he is over everything, he is absolutely all we're, all we're bothered about. And if you're wondering if you've got the Holy Spirit, well, if you think Jesus is Lord, if you think he's um, number one in your life, then yeah, you've got the Holy Spirit. And, um, and it's saying that... N- no one speaking the spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse. So, if you know if someone is, is is speaking against Jesus, saying, "Oh, I know better than him," or you know, "Look at this way. This way is better." This, or, or if 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 someone else is lord of their lives. So, for example, that they they think money is the big deal, or they think that fame is the big deal. Then the spirit of God is isn't being allowed to to operate through them. And it only takes a little walk around Camden Market to realise that there's a lot of there are a lot of spiritual gifts which are going to get into in this passage, and not all of them lead to, to Jesus. So there's a, there's a kind of spirituality, but not all of it leads to Jesus. And so, for example, in prophecy, there is a, a type of prophecy that when you're moving it, it that when you have the Holy Spirit and you're, you're doing it in a way that. Um, that is glorifying and, and letting the Holy Spirit move, the, the outcome of that is Jesus Lord. So the outcome of it is always, wow, Jesus is amazing. And, um, but there's a, a kind of prophecy that, that doesn't lead to that. So for example, something like tarot cards or fortune telling, that would be an example of using spiritual gifts but abusing them and, and, and using them in a way that doesn't lead to Jesus and isn't in the Holy Spirit. So my first question, as I said at the start, is going to be, what does Holy Spirit-filled ministry look like? Well, the answer is, the, the outcome of it is, wow, Jesus is amazing. So if we're doing it right and we're doing it in the Holy Spirit, the, the, the outcome of it, whatever the gift is, the, the, the outcome is always, wow, Jesus is amazing. So whatever, however you're doing it, whatever gift is, uh, the, the, it's, it's about the content, and the content is, wow, Jesus is amazing. 
carry on from verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of Spirit for the common good. It's saying, look, there's all kinds of different gifts. And they're so varied and there's so many different kinds. But they're actually all from the same God and they're all for the same purpose. And it even deliberately kind of mentions the, the Spirit and the Son and, and the Father here. Because it's just, it's given us that example that Jesus himself, that, sorry, God himself is the Trinity, is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they've all got their different roles, but they're all one and they're, and they're all... Um, doing this stuff for the, for the same purpose they're all working together and it, we're going to look at in a minute just more passages of, of, of just giving an example of how, how, how mad it is for us to kind of compare the gifts there's no point in, in going oh that gift's cooler than that one or that one looks more impressive because they're all from the same God and they're all to the same God um, verse 7 to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good I just wanted to kind of pause on this one for a moment and just encourage you that these things are for the common good and everyone here has at least one gift that is, that is given to them by the Holy Spirit and I just want to encourage you really to, to be using that gift and to go for it um, because it says that it's for the common good and it, it, um, if, if, if we're using our gifts uh, not for the common good, we're just using them for ourselves we, we can get into a very kind of narrow um, just a narrow kind of way of living, really. Just a, a, we're missing out on, on all the glorious adventure that there is to be had with God. So God gives us these gifts. He purposely has put us where we are um, to be a blessing and to use those gifts for his purposes. And if we can use them and be part of his amazing uh, adventure that God is unfolding this story throughout history of how he is uh, winning people to himself and bringing his amazing salvation and we can be part of that so rather than being caught up in our own little ways and, and using my little gift to make you know Dave Mance happy and, and, and make Dave Mance's purposes prevail I can be part of God's purposes I can be part of his amazing adventure and I can be part of this story that is going out th- throughout the whole of history and so I just want to encourage you, let's, let's use these gifts for the common good. All right, so that was the my, my first of my three points, was what does Holy Spirit-filled ministry look like? Well, the, the, what it looks like is that when it's done, you think, wow, Jesus is amazing. It's done for the common good, and, and, the, and the outcome is Jesus is amazing. All right, from verse 8, we're just going to go through some of these gifts a little bit and just uh, unpack them a tiny bit. And uh, now we're asking question because we're asking, you know, how do these gifts work when we're gathered together? How do they um, operate? What are they? How do they look when they're done right? It's worth saying at this point that um, there's two kind of lists of gifts here. So um, from verse 8 to 10 and then at the end of this chapter as well. In, in the whole New Testament, there's only five uh, places where uh, it talks about the spiritual gifts. And... Um, all these ones are kind of ones that are um, when you're gathered together. So as Tom said, uh, I think last week he was saying that, you know, this, this letter to the Corinthians is kind of, it's gone from being about, uh, being about, you know, this is how you should act and worship God when you're out and about. And now that the kind of focus of the letter is about this is how you should do things when you're gathered together. And so all these gifts are kind of for that, pur- for that uh, yeah, for that purpose. Um, it's kind of interesting when you're looking at... So the other places where it is in Scripture, there's a, um, 
uh, Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. And it's kind of interesting ways. Whenever they're listed, the, there's no kind of one comprehensive list of all the gifts. And whenever they're listed, there's kind of this sense of, oh, and there's that one and that one and that one. And it's all a little bit kind of throwaway. And so um, if you were kind of trying to get a list of what are all the spiritual gifts, you, there's probably more, actually, that are even mentioned in Scripture. Um, so I just wanted to kind of point that out. But the ones that are in here are in the context of ones that you should use when you're gathered together. So the first one, wisdom. This is uh, the gift of being able to take God's word and apply it to life. So the people that have got the gift of wisdom are extremely uh, practical. They're very useful to have. They're, they're really good kind of counsellors because they can, you know, you can come to them with a question and, and they'll be like, well, have you thought of this? Or have you talked to that person? Or have you um, looked at this bit of scripture? And they're just real solid gold people. If you've got any, anyone like that in your life, I recommend you hang on to them, treat them well, because they'll really look after you. Um, and, and so, like I said before, so you, they'll give you their, their benefit of their, of their wisdom and they'll point you to Jesus. And again, the point of it is, wow, Jesus is amazing. The gift of knowledge, this is what I would call the geek gift. So people that are quite nerdy, who love reading and researching and storing information, kind of people that are really good at memorising scripture and can just like rattle it off. People that... Um, have, have kind of gone, oh, do you know the, did you know the, I don't know, quantum <laughs> physics? Or, those sort of people who are very knowledgeable, but they can use it in a way that actually brings uh, glory to God. So they can explain quantum physics to you and you go, wow, because, you know, Jesus holds all things together. So, wow, Jesus is amazing. Um, so that is the, yeah, the sort of geeky gift, the gift of knowledge. Uh, the gift of faith. These are the people who, um, if you could kind of, open up their head and, and, and listen to the voice inside there was this constant voice inside their head going yeah come on we can do it those kind of people who are just got all the time this incredible uh, energy and belief so no matter how impossible the situation and difficult and dark it looks they're like come on believe God God can do it they're fantastic to, to get around they, they have uh, you know amazing visions and then and they'll gather other people to those visions and, and you know they're really uh, again, fantastic people to be around, um, and they just believe Jesus. They just believe Jesus can do anything, and uh, so you know, you lose your job, go and talk to them because they'll assure you that you're going to get another job and it's going to be even better. Uh, the gift of healing, the ability of, uh, to call on God to heal. So. It's not that you heal someone, but that you have this amazing uh, gift from the Holy Spirit to intercede for people and see healing. Um, the gift of miracles, again, it links to the gift of faith, but just Jesus said, you, you will drink poison, you'll, 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 you'll pick up snakes, just crazy stuff, stuff that seems impossible, stuff that seems totally mad to everyone else. Um, you've got that gift. might be that you, you just... You know, you see a, a marriage that just looks hopeless, looks dead, there's no chance. And, and, and you've got, no, God can do a miracle here. Or you see a person who's just so far from God, so, so just in a dark place. But no, I believe God's going to do the miracle of salvation on that person. It's that gift. Gift of prophecy. Uh, we're going to look at this a bit more later, but it's basically just the uh, hearing fr- from God for someone or for, for more than one person. So it can be as simple as... Um, saying, you know, I feel that God wants to remind you of, it's, it's of, of his truth. It's about bringing people to his truth. So it might be, I feel God wants to remind you that he is your father. It can be as simple as that. Um, but it's just drawing truth um, 
and, and bringing people back to God's truth. Uh, gift of discernment. This is the person who, you know, when they hear someone teaching or bringing them something, they, they just immediately, their radar's up and they're like, you know, is this from God? Is this from Satan? They've just got that kind of naturally, I want to I wanna get to, what is this? Is, it, is this good? If it's good, let's, let's hold fast to it. Or is it, you know, is it dodgy? All right, let's, let's expose it. Um, the gift of tongues sounds a bit weird. Um, this is a gift of other languages, so it can be either, as we said in, in the story of Pentecost, where they just started speaking earthly languages that they didn't know. It can be that. It can also be speaking a heavenly language. So um, in that case, in the, in the gathered context, so someone would start speaking a language and, and, and you'd be like, ooh, that doesn't make any sense. Um, they're speaking to God, and then if it's done right in the gathered context... Uh, someone then, either that person or someone else, would have the interpretation, which is the last one mentioned in this list. Um, as someone who is able to kind of say, oh, what they were saying was, and they're able to bring interpretation, and that way it builds us up. So, uh, like I said, that's not an exhaustive list, so, so you might not have any of those, but you've definitely got at least one spiritual gift, because it says that in verse 11. Um, so I just thought it'd be worth putting some practical steps here. How do you uh, find your gift? Well, um, or how do you help others find their gift? Well, ask people, what do you think I've got? And, you know, if, if more than one person says it, maybe you've got it. Um, try things out and see if you're any good at it. You know, what's the fruit? So, for example, I did PA for a while. And when I did PA, it made people deeply unhappy. There was weeping, there was gnashing of teeth. Uh, so I stopped doing PA. <laughs> and then I started doing admin, it made people happy. So... So, okay, maybe I'll do that some more. Uh, what are you passionate about? What brings you joy? That's often indicative of, of your gifting. So if you love, you know, if you go out and speak to someone on the streets who um, is homeless and, you know, you have a good chat to them, maybe you buy some food, you pray for them, and you are really just buzzing from it, that's, that's, a, that's indicative that, that, you know, God's given you that, that ministry of mercy. Um, and then just work hard at it. So if you've got the gift of mercy, then talk to a lot of people who need the ministry of mercy if you've got the gift of teaching read a lot study a lot um, I thought it would be interesting to sort of mention when do you get these gifts well you, you might it might be that you get them when you uh, are saved it might be that there is something that um, is already in you before you are saved but God just takes it into, so you might have been a very optimistic person um, before you might have been a sort of glass half full kind of person and then when you got saved God just took that and I think the official theological term is 3D realizes it <laughs> so God the Holy Spirit 3D realized that gift and turned it into the gift of faith so you went from being someone that was you know a kind of yeah you know I, th- I think it's going to turn out all right to being this person who rather than just being a glass half full guy was a kind of my, a faith that can move mountains kind of person so God the Holy Spirit took that 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 natural common grace that was in you and, and did something amazing you can also get gifts just I don't know just the Holy Spirit given to you sometimes just to do in a task um, or you, you can get them through prayers I might pray for you for a specific gift you might receive it then again you might not because it says the Holy Spirit gives them to whoever he, he, he wills so important visual aid for you What if I don't like my gift? 
I am, for the benefit of anyone listening on the internet, uh, wearing the most awesome Christmas sweater of all time. <laughs> it is massive face of Rudolph. It has got bells where the nipples are. Um, <laughs> a squeaky nose. <laughs> so what if you get your gift and you decide you don't like it? Well... First of all, it's important to say that every good and perfect gift is from above, so it's from God, so it's good and perfect, so you should like it. <laughs> I actually really love this jumper, um, and I'm so pleased that I've managed to find an excuse to wear it, because um, I can only wear it at Christmas. Um, so, first of all, you should... Uh, second of all, so first of all, it, it's from God, so it's a good gift. Second of all, um, if you've got the gift of, say, helping, well, you know, Jesus helped people, so... Jesus did it. It's good enough for Jesus. It's good enough for us. Uh, thirdly, it's, it's a kind of very individualistic, you know, Western mindset to say, I don't like my gift. You actually have all the gifts. So if Hazia here has... Um, so Rich here, let's say Rich has got the gift of teaching. And he's like, I've got the gift of teaching. I really like the gift of teaching. I wish I had the gift of prophecy. Well, Hazia's got the gift of prophecy. And he's in the same body as you. So you have got the gift of prophecy. In fact, you've got every single gift listed here because, as this passage is going to go on to explain, uh, we're, we're, we're one body. We, we, we've all got everything. Hang on, I'm going to take this off. This is... Oh, dear. Should have... You know, when you practice and talk, you don't actually practice that bit. That's the most... Right. Okay. Um, uh, oh, yeah, I just have one more point on that, which is, yeah, just this... I, this uh, as we're going to... So... Um, so from verse 11, which is, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who portions to each one individually as he wills. So it's talking about it's the Holy Spirit who chooses what we get. Um, then this is whole massive passage going all the way down to um, verse 27, which is talking about us being like one body and being dependent on one another. So it's crazy to kind of say, oh, I'm only a toe. I wish I was a eye because an eye is really cool. Oh, it's stupid for an eye to say, I'm so glad I'm a eye, it looks really impressive rather than a rubbish toe or a toenail no, you're, you're given your bit and, and, and you're there, you know, be a toe be a glorious worshipping toe, be a toe for the glory of Jesus, be a t- I mean if we didn't have your toe, you'd really miss your toe we need you, toe so be a toe, be a glorious beautiful toe for Jesus um, we, d- we need each other so much and um you know, I mentioned that the, the person who has the gift of faith. So this, this you know, amazing gift of faith. Who you know, they can just see things and yeah, we're going to do that. And you know, we're going to have this amazing carol service. There's going to be like a stage, and we'll have you know, amazing musicians, and we'll get people from everywhere to come, and it'll be a really brilliant event. And you know, they've got something from God, and and they are. You know, they, they, they've got the faith for it, and everyone else is behind them, and they are completely in faith for it they are completely convinced and they are completely incapable of doing anything about it because they don't have the gift of administration and that's when so I don't have the gift of faith I really wish I had the gift of faith because it seems really cool but uh, I at least have the gift of administration so, um, so the person with the gift in this case James and Verity they're going to do the carol service so then they come in and say look all you have to do you know, we'll make this list and we'll send email to all these people and we'll do this timing plan and, and they're just as much a part of making this thing happen as the person of faith, so we need each other. All right, and then there's a, a, a kind of second shorter list of gifts. Um, so going from verse um, 28, 
how God has appointed in the church first apostles. So let's actually let's just go through these gifts. So apostles, so that is the gift of, of uh, pioneering and overseeing churches. So as far as I can tell, anyone that's got the gift of apostleship, you can tell because they say they haven't got the gift of apostleship because they're, I don't know, no one likes to admit they're an apostle. I don't know why. But if you, if, if you plant a churches and oversee churches, you're an apostle, so just deal with it. Uh, secondly, <laughs> teacher. So um, a teacher is that person who makes you go, ah, oh, I get it. So you're, if someone's explaining something to you, you're not getting it, they get it, but you don't get it. And then the teacher comes in, they go, ah, oh, well, it's a bit like... You know, when a monkey jumps on a camel and you go, ah, oh, I get it. It's just someone who's able to reveal stuff and, and make stuff get from their head into your head. It's that gift. Uh, the gift of helping. Someone that can just help people. What a brilliant gift. You just love doing stuff for people. You love um, just blessing others and serving them. You're probably a very practical person. You can probably put up shelves. This is the sort of person that Mrs. Mance wishes she'd married. Uh, I don't have that gift. Uh, admin, the gift of, I mean, another really geeky gift, but the gift of, yeah, like spreadsheets, making lists, uh, making stuff happen, it's that gift. And then last of all, it says, um, so it's got, um, it says, first, so these are in a kind of li- uh, order in this, in this time, not, the first one was kind of a bit more ad hoc, this one is first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kind of tongues. Tongues is very is is, is is the last one, and Paul does that deliberately because um, in their minds they are putting tongues as the gift, the absolute sign of having the Holy Spirit, of being spiritual, of being really holy, because it kind of looks impressive. And so Paul deliberately at this point puts it last to try and get to the heads. Look, it's not it's not about that. And so the, there is a kind of order here, and it, it seems to be like an authority order. So. Uh, it's not about importance, because obviously we just said they're all equally important, but there's a kind of list of um, a, a, a position of the authority. So, um, And then it, it, Paul says, um, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a, a still more excellent way. And then we get interrupted by this massive chapter on love. And, you know, I just hate it, because he's just about to explain the higher way, and then, he's, and then he starts going on about love. And I was really like, oh, that's really annoying, because... He's about to talk about these really impressive, cool spiritual gifts, and then he starts talking about love, and love's got nothing to do with spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are about looking cool and looking holy and you know, looking amazing and, 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 and being impressive. And you know, love is about preferring others to yourself and caring more about them than yourself. And, and, and uh, so I was really annoyed about that. And I did some study, and it turns out that love does have a lot to do with spiritual gifts. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like I said, Matt Med is going to... Um, talk about uh he's going to cover this chapter next week but just so you know there is a massive chapter on love there and it does have something to do with spiritual gifts so carrying on from uh so chapter 14 starting from verse 1 pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts Uh, it says pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts why should you desire spiritual gifts because they're a way of showing love they're a way of demonstrating love for one another so when we do these gifts right, people go, wow, Jesus is amazing, and people are built up. So they're a way of us as a body, caring for one another, looking out for one another, building one another up, blessing one another, and loving one another. And so we should earnestly desire these gifts. 
We should earnestly desire. That means when we, uh, when we know we're going to be getting together on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening or uh, during the week, you know you're going to get, getting together with other revers, you should be getting with God and saying, God, I really want to bring something that's going to bless someone. So I really want something, Lord. I really want a prophecy. I really want a, uh, 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 I really want a bit of teaching from your word. Really want um, to to help people while doing coffee and tea. Well, I I just I really want to do it, not to look good. I just want to do it to, because I want to love my brothers and sisters here at Rev. And and so it's a, it's a it's a call really. It's a reminder that we should be pursuing love, earnestly desiring these gifts because they're a way of of loving one another. Um, so. That was my sort of second section. So first of all, we said, what does Holy Spirit-filled ministry look like? It's done right. Well, we, 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 the outcome is Jesus is amazing. And then secondly, we looked at, well, how do we do these gifts right? Uh, how, how do they work in the gathered context? Well, we do it by, by desiring to love one another, to build one another up, to, to um, create unity. And then I just want to finish just with some little practical points, really, on prophecy. Um, just if you if there was stuff that I read within chapter 14 that you were like oh that's interesting what does that mean um, obviously there's loads there we're not going to cover it all um, so check out the talk on the 7th of February about tongues uh, there's also a paper that Bob wrote which we'll send around again this week which is about some particularly tricky um, little verses uh, around, around sort of verse 22 something like that about tongues being a sign for believers and on and then, um, but what we're going to do is we're going to jump right from um, the start of uh, chapter 14. Uh, well, I tell you what, let's just, let's just, yeah, okay. So at the start of chapter 14, he's saying, let's just read it uh, from verse uh, two. No, from verse 1, so pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So he's trying, as we said before, to address this thing where they've got this obsession with, uh, with tongues or prophecy. He's saying, actually, you, know, you should be designed to prophesy because you should be designed to build others up. And then he gives some uh, very specific uh, instructions for how to prophecy well from verse all the way forward to verse 29. So we're just going to pick out some practical points before we finish um, on doing it well. So um, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one so that you may all learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to prophets. Um, So I've just got some quick kind of practical points on how to do prophecy well. So it says two or three prophesy. That just means let's not have loads of people and sort of forget what the first one said, but two or three, and then we can weigh it. Uh, like I said, to weigh it. So that means in, the, in this kind of way, so those that are kind of going for eldership would be up the front and kind of weighing it. So just saying, you know, we'll look at how to weigh it in a sec, but considering it. And if you're prophesying to someone sort of one-on-one, make sure there's someone else there to weigh who's going to be objective and, and, and help, you know, oh, is this going to bless them? Subject to prophets, what it's saying is make sure that prophecy is subject to Holy Scripture. So our, um, 
is it in, is it in the Bible? Obviously, we're not, you know, there's prophets who are in uh, the Old Testament and they um, prophesied and their words were the very words of God. So the prophets would say, thus says the Lord. Our prophecy isn't like that. We're still hearing from God. Um, but there is um, there's a, a fallibility there that there isn't with God's word. And um, so you might be thinking, well, why do it then if it can be wrong? Well, it's, just, it's like teaching, isn't it? So biblical teaching, we look at scripture and we know that it's infallible. We can base our lives on it. And then, you know, some cowboy like myself comes up the front and starts teaching. Uh, it's, still, it's still beneficial to you, but it's not perfect. You have to weigh it. It's the same prophecy. It's, it's good. It's, it's from God, but check it out first. So I would just say, if you, are, if you do bring prophecy, don't say, you know, thus says the Lord, because it just doesn't really leave room for someone to weigh it. I'd also say, personally, I would recommend don't say... Don't speak from the person of God. So don't say, you are my children. But it's more helpful to say, I feel that God's saying that we are his children. Because it just helps people you know, think, okay, you're not, you're not speaking from God himself. You're not, it just helps you weigh it a little bit. It's also weird for people coming in who don't know God. They like, see someone at the front going, you are my children. Kind of. It's a little bit hard to understand, so I would just recommend that as a helpful way. Um, practical points on weighing it. So, how do you test whether it's right or not? Is it biblical? Um, who's the, who's saying it? So, do you know them well? Are they are they to be trusted? Or if you don't know them well, perhaps you need to just be a little bit more circumspect. What's the fruit of it? So, again, does it does it end with people going, "Wow, Jesus is amazing," or, or does it lead to you going, "Oh, that person's cool"? And lastly, the sort of funny feeling test. So, you know, when someone's speaking and you just get a little funny feeling, it's that. It's called the gift of discernment. So, you can just tell. Oh. You know, when you meet someone, or I meet someone, I think, oh, they're really cool. And, and Mrs. Mance goes, oh, I'm not sure about them. And then they turn out to be a bad egg. <laughs> it's the gift of discernment. So, she's got that gift. I don't have that gift. Um, So when you prophesy, let's, let's desire to prophesy. Let's pray for it. We're going to have a time at, at the end of a service. If you, if you don't have the gift of prophecy, you'd like it. Come up, we'll pray for you. Um, pray that the Holy Spirit gives it to you. He might. Uh, humbly submit what you've got. So when you come up the front, expect it to be weighed. Don't, and then don't go away thinking, oh, was it ignored or wasn't it? It's not, it's not for, it's for you. It's, it's for the weighers to worry about. So it's there, there before God and what they do with it. You've just got to be obedient and, and bring what you've got. Feel free to make mistakes. You know, I brought something once and um, I was singing and the microphone was torn out of my hand. Can you believe it? Uh, so, but, so I was discouraged by that uh, and, it, and it wasn't very long, but just get back on the bike. Just keep going. Don't worry about it. Um, step out. Just go for it. But equally... If you're not sure what you're bringing, just be cautious. Say, look, I'm not sure, but I think God's saying this. Hold prophecy tightly in some cases, hold it lightly in others. So if you've got something and then it's been confirmed lots of times, others have brought it, then you can really, you know, hold fast to that. If someone brings something you're not quite sure, just hold it lightly. Let's you know, see what God does. Pray about it. Consider it. Remember love. Don't get jealous of those who've got greater, more impressive gifts. Rejoice in your gift. So it's that last point. We look specifically at prophecy. How do we do it well? Handle it carefully. Weigh it. So desire to have it. 
And then when it's brought, let's weigh it, let's handle it well, let's handle it with maturity. Um, all right. I just want to say there were some very tricky, you might have kind of, at the end of this passage, there's some hard verses from uh, verse 34. It says, the women should keep silent in their churches, for they're not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it's shameful for a woman to speak in church. I'm not going to go into that, because uh, if you want a bit more of understanding of that, Tom covered it two weeks ago, so again, check it out online, but just to say that he's not saying women should never speak in church, because... Earlier in this letter, he's, he gives rules for you know, how women can bring stuff. He's talking about the weighing role, so we do believe that those that weigh prophecy in, in this GABA context uh, would need to be blokes who are in the elder position. So I just thought it's worth saying something about that, just so you don't go away totally confused. Um, all right, I'm not going to do Q&A because I'm bad at Q&A. My brain is just rubbish. Uh, so I don't think of answers. I think of the answers. I can, if you ask a question, I will have the answer for you, but it'll be in like two days. Uh, so it won't be much use. So I would say if you've got questions, though, please do um, uh, come see me afterwards or email them to leadership at revelationchurch.org.uk and we'll, we'll bring an answer kind of in a couple of weeks or something like that. We'll make sure it gets answered before everyone. Um, all right. So we just looked at, very quickly, we've gone whistle stop tour through both these chats as we looked at first okay how do, how do we do it well how, how, how does it look when we do it holy spirit filled ministry well the outcome should always be wow Jesus is amazing and we looked at how do we um, do these gifts in the gather context well we do them by in a way that is loving is preferring one another is serving one another is desiring to bless one another and then we just looked at some specifics how do we do prophecy well well we we go for it but we weigh it as well the verse for that is do not quench the spirit First Thessalonians 5 do not quench the spirit do not despise prophecies but test everything hold fast to what's good abstain from every form of evil we're going to um, take communion now